Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, it's day 10 of the Alberta election, but it is a week one for our citizens election panel. We, we've been teasing this, uh, touting this for, for a while now. And kind of the idea behind this is that we have an opportunity in this election campaign to, to hear from, well, to hear from me. My colleagues here, an opportunity of this campaign to hear from the political leaders, the candidates, the spin doctors, the pollsters, the political scientists, the columnists, all of that. But we wanted to take some time to carve out some time to, to put together something that would allow kind of a, a, a snapshot of the citizenry. Uh, the average citizen, an opportunity to come in and share their thoughts. People who are following the selection, plugged into politics, uh, but not necessarily in the media or necessarily even uh, officially aligned with any of the parties, but to come in and, and share their own views. So we embarked on a process to uh, canvas our listenership to see who out there might be interested in participating in something like this. Uh, a lot of people responded, and, and that was really neat to see. Uh, so we narrowed it down to four. And this is our citizens panel. We'll have an opportunity this Thursday, next Thursday, and the Thursday after that uh, to bring this panel together, talk about the election, some of the issues being discussed, or maybe the issues not being discussed, as it were. And so this is week one. So we have our four panelists with us here today, and maybe what we can do, uh, first of all, now, uh, I'll introduce them to you, but we'll give them an opportunity to to introduce themselves. So I'll go around the, the table from where I'm sitting here. We've got with us uh, Michael Brown, uh, Julie Tiut. Uh, Deirdre McLean and Mo Getchen. Now, hopefully I got everybody's name right. I just met them all today for the first time, but let's go around uh, the table here and give you all an opportunity to kind of introduce yourselves. Uh, correct your names if I mispronounce them, but uh, let's start with Michael Brown. Michael, thanks so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. All right. So what, what do folks need to know about Michael Brown? Um, I'm native Calgarian, born and raised, um, which makes me a bit of a rarity in this city. There's tends to be not many, uh, in my age category, now turning 50 this year. Um, I'm a bit of a, I guess, a, a social liberal and a fiscal conservative. So my uh, take on the election is a bit uh, difficult because I support policies from a couple different and mm-hmm. uh, still trying to figure out my way in this, in this election. Okay. All right. Michael, thanks for being here. Julie. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a 41-year-old mom of a 12-year-old and 13-year-old. Um, I'm not a native Calgarian. We actually moved to Alberta from Europe when I was little. Oh, wow. Um, so we came over for the prosperity in Alberta and very much a oil and gas family. My dad worked in oil and gas. My husband works in oil and gas. And um, I went to U of A and I took political science. So I've always been a big poli-sci nerd and I'm <laughs> known as that among my friends. So... I always follow the uh, elections, but I find this one quite interesting because it's uh, it's going to be, well, and it is so nasty and divisive. All right. Uh, dear Deirdre. Yes. Deirdre. Yes. yes. Deirdre. Deirdre. Um, so I'm actually, I was born in Calgary, but I was raised in rural, so central Alberta. I'm currently out in Strathmore right now. And I guess, you know, I'm... I'm kind of in the middle as well. There are policies from a number of parties. I think I, I sit more in the I sit more in the center to try and maintain some of that balance. Um, of course, that's not something we're seeing a lot of. Mm-hmm. So I'm I wanted to come on because it's 
it, it's an obsession, honestly. I follow this stuff religiously. <laughs> yeah. Mo and I were talking beforehand. And, <laughs> yeah, so I, I do follow it very, very closely, and, and I'm, I'm very interested in what's going on. Yeah. All right, and Mo. Yeah, <clears throat> pardon me. I, I, too, am born in Calgary, raised here. Um, I moved out of, t- out of town in the 80s, and I've been out there ever since. Um, I'm, a ret- I'm a retired police officer, um, and I'm currently, my wife and, and myself and our kids run a, uh, a medium-sized cow-calf operation uh, northwest of, or northeast, rather, of Cochrane. I'm kind of, uh, I've always had a, uh, quite an interest in politics. This is the first time I've really done anything formal. I've been a, a critic of politics uh, from the sidelines, so I'm, uh, yeah, first time for me to do something like this. I'm very yes. happy to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, well, here's a question, and maybe we can go around the horn with, with a quick answer. Um, who, who, are you decided or undecided in this election, Michael? Mm, decided. Okay. Julie? I'm decided, but not thrilled about it. Okay. And we'll come back to that, dear Drew. Um, I'm decided, but likely putting my vote somewhere else. Interesting. And Mo? I'm quite decided, yes. Okay. Because I, I get the sense in this campaign that maybe more so than previous campaigns, I think people are kind of have their minds made up. And maybe the campaign almost feels like everyone's just going through the motions till we can get to election day when uh, people can finally make their decision. Maybe their minds were made up some time ago. Uh, so, Michael, where, where, talk a bit more than about where you're at or, or why you're kind of leaning a certain way. Um, leaning toward uh, the UCP, um, I favor a lot of their uh, fiscal conservative policies, but uh, let's put it this way, I'm a little hesitant as well. Um, I don't think they are socially uh, progressive enough in some of the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think fiscally we need to take control of our province. And I think that's a mandate and a, a must first. I think a lot of the uh, afterthought of some of the, the social issues um, kind of muddies the water and the mudslinging starts very, very quickly. So um, reluctantly probably looking at UCP. Okay, interesting. Julie? I, too, will be likely voting UCP. Ideologically, I align mostly with the Alberta Party. Um, and in the past, my writing has actually been very, very deeply conservative. Conservative. We used to be a Wild Rose Party. So in the past, I actually may have voted with my heart so I could feel good about that. But now we are actually one of the new writings. And I don't think it's any. it's a foregone conclusion how it's going to go. So I think, you know, I want... I want the NDP gone, so I think I got to hold my nose and vote UCP. All right, dear Jerry. I'm also holding my nose. <laughs> um, I am, I would sit absolutely with the Alberta Party. They are, um, they're definitely where I fit ideolog- ideologically. And, but I am out in Strathmore, Chestermere, Chestermere, Strathmore. So I will be voting for uh, Freedom Conservative Party. Oh, Derek Fildebrand. Yes. Right. Okay. Mo. Yeah, I'll be voting UCP likely. Um, I, uh, I've always voted on the right side of the spectrum. Um, I too, and I'm, in, I'm intrigued um, by some of the other policies of these. I'll call them upstart uh, parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, overall, I'm pretty much in line with the UCPs. Okay. Now, and, and just, and I want just to follow a question on this because. Uh, and, and maybe there's there's more nuance to your, your choice than, than maybe that, that answer alludes to. But I do wonder if for people there is a question of who is the candidate in my riding? 
Uh, or are we voting for party? Are we voting with government in mind? Are we voting with premier in mind? And, and I think we often do in elections, right? I mean, it's about where do you want this, this province to go? Who do you think would be the best premier? But does it matter? Does it matter who's in your riding, right? Do, do people take the time to study the candidates? And do you think it's something that could potentially impact your vote? Um, I got uh, approached by both liberals that came to the door, uh, NDPs that came to the door, and the UCP candidate that did as well, um, as well as a phone call from the UCP uh, candidate. Um, and they were probably the most um, willing to engage in a conversation about my concerns of social policy yeah. and uh, understanding where I think we need to be economically in the in the province and stop being the... Uh, I guess, whipping boy for every other province in Canada to dump their garbage on saying we're the uh, polluting province, we're this, that, and the other thing. And uh, so the NDP left my uh, door rather quickly. The Liberals did as well. Uh, and the UCP were willing to actually hear what I had to say and say, well, we understand and we're listening and we're willing to take that to our leadership. Do you think a good leader can make up for a weak candidates? Can a good candidate make up for a weak leader, do you think? Both. Um, I don't think Jason Kenney is a perfect leader by any stretch, but we're not the same person as we all hearing what he said 30 years ago and what he is today. I'm not the same person I was 30 years sure. ago. So being able to bridge that, I think, makes a big difference. And a good candidate who, um, in my writing, um, uh, female of ethnic background, didn't matter, uh, really good answers, really willing to listen, and that she was willing to listen to what I had to say. I think it was very important. Mm -hmm. Julie? Um, well, actually, months back, um, I bought myself and my husband UCP memberships so we could actually have a say and vote in our local candidate. And the guy we liked actually won. So the fact we have Peter Guthrie in my writing, and okay. he's actually a really good guy. So that's actually helping with my holding the, my nose and voting for the UCP, even though I'm more aligned with the Alberta party. Um, I don't love Jason Kenny, but I don't think he's awful either. And I don't think he's a raging homophobe and I don't think the world's going to end if he's the premier. Um, do I think there could be someone better? Probably. But, um, I tend to vote for the party because I know that no matter how much I like my local candidate, they're not going to stand up in the ledge and vote against their party. So if you don't like the party and you don't like their policies, then I wouldn't recommend voting for them, even if you did like their candidate. Yeah. Uh, Deirdre, you've got, I guess, a leader of a party that you just mentioned. So that kind of changes the dynamic for you. But, I mean, are, are you voting for Derek Fildebrandt? Are you voting for this party? Are you voting against something more so? I'm voting against Leela here getting the seat. Yeah? Yeah. I'm. That is because... I mean, I've, I've spent time with Derek. I've had conversations with Derek. I get along with Derek, but sometimes I'd rather punch Derek, <laughs> right? So, I mean, if you've listened to him, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but so, like, the, some of the policies that he's, that he's come up with aren't really things that I would really agree with. But in my writing... I'm pretty sure what we'll see is it'll be a race between Derek and Leela, so my vote's going to Derek. Yeah. And, and Mo, because it, it sounds like maybe you might, in, in some respects, support some of where, where Derek's party's coming from on certain issues. 
But so talk about, you know, what, what you're factoring in here in deciding to vote for, for the party and, and for the candidate then. Well, primarily it's um, the UCP is, in my view, is, is more or less business first. And I think we have to get back in, the, back in business in Alberta. Um, so that's um, where I'm, you know, I'm counting on that, obviously. And I think, uh, I think he is a strong um, candidate and, and he'd make a very strong pre- premier. Um, I do agree, too, that voting for the candidate in my riding is, is um, ah, I guess it remains to be seen what his role in, in government, assuming they, they do make the next government a legislature, um, to see what his role may or may not be. But uh, I think overall the, the, uh, the, the party is, is more in line with my way of thinking, and I think that uh, Jason Kenney is a, make a very strong premier. All right. Well, panelists, stand by. We'll take a break and we'll come back and continue this conversation. It's our Citizens Election panel. We've got Mo, we've got Deirdre, we've got Julie, and we've got Michael. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. And we're back with our Citizens Election panel. Day 10 of the election campaign, week one of the panel, getting to uh, know the panelists a little bit more and some of the uh, issues uh, that, that are on their minds in this election campaign. So let's go back around the other way. So we'll start with you this time, Mo. In term, I can sense here there's... No, no NDP votes around this table necessarily, but I'm curious what you all make of of Rachel Notley and the NDP in terms of maybe things you you do appreciate about Rachel or or the things that they they've done in in power or what to you maybe is is the biggest reason why you you think a change is needed. So, Mo, let's start with you. So, your impressions of almost four years now of of NDP governance here in Alberta. Well, I've often said in the last four years uh, with regard to Rachel that I think she's um, she's put herself in a bit of a dilemma because she obviously her you know her party policies of um, over the years have said one thing and she's pretty much had to do another. So I've I've kind of learned to appreciate um, the fight that she's put up on behalf of Albertans, but unfortunately, I think her 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 party policies just don't just don't allow her. They very much <clears throat> pardon me restrict her in um, some of the decisions I think she would genuinely like to make. And I think that's the holdback. And I think overall, I mean, I, I would have to, I'd give her a passing grade um, for sure as an individual, but just the, it's the party policies that seem to really be holding her back. Mm-hmm. Deirdre? Um, I would say actually that I think they've, they've done a decent job. Um, the idea that we need a change... <clears throat> Pardon me. I think the idea that we need to change when it's centering around something like the economy, my, one of my issues is that I don't think government should be, should really have their hands in the economy to begin with. So I dislike, I dislike how much it seems the UCP would like to get their hands on it. Um, but one of the other things I think that is an issue and this was something again that I heard this morning about how uh, we need to renew investor confidence and a change of government will do that. And what doesn't seem to be coming out right now is that the investor confidence is really looking at if Alberta changes government, we're looking at a wild swing. And if Albertans don't like that, what's going to happen next? Are they going to do another wild swing? We are actually, I think, creating the worst kind of investor confidence in what our politicians are advocating for at this time. Julie? Um, as an individual, I actually don't 
mind Rachel Notley. I actually quite like her. Um, I think she's very smart. I think she's a brilliant campaigner. Um, I think people that think that a another like a UPC majority is a foregone conclusion in this election, I think they're counting their chickens before they hatch. Um, I don't think she's to be underestimated. Um, I actually, I think she's probably holding back a lot and ideologically. I don't, I think she has to be more centrist than she would like to be in a place like Alberta. Um, I think it's my major beef with the NDP and her is just the unfriendly environment they've created for business. I actually, I sell advertising for a small community newspaper where I live and businesses are hurting. They're just, they're feeling it's, everyone says to me death by a thousand cuts and they're hurting and they're laying people off. And I would just like to see a more business friendly environment. If I could couple that with the NDP's kind of social policies, then I'd be happy. Michael, what do you think? Oh, where do you start? Um, (laughs) From um, my wife's family uh, being farmers, being called the anger industry Mm -hmm. um, for protecting their way of life uh, to most of my friends and family working in the oil industry to a carbon tax that she didn't campaign on and impose thinking she was going to get social license with Ottawa um, right down to um, appointed uh, Ed Willingham to the uh, Alberta Energy Regulation Board um, who's a guy who is a known uh, anti-oil, anti-pipeline, um, extreme leftist, taking money from the Tides Foundation. And how does that conversation go with Rachel and, and him? So do you like oil? No. Do you like pipelines? No. Can you be objective? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, sure I can. Well, why are we even trying to think that we're going to um, believe what she says? Right. Um, it's really, really a state of... Um, saying one thing and doing another thing out and talking to both sides of her mouth. So don't trust her. Right. How much blame do we attribute then uh, to Rachel Natalie and the NDP for everything Alberta's gone through over the past four years? How different do we think it would be had the election in 2015 gone differently? Mm. Would it have gone differently? I think the last vote, I think, was a very a much of a protest vote of 44 yeah. years of progressive conservative um, we have the right to rule. We have the right to be in power. Um, but uh, she didn't do us any favors. I mean, being that closely in hand with uh, Trudeau, who has no love for Alberta as it is, um, she didn't help us with a carbon tax thinking she was going to get social license for a pipeline. That wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that ship has sailed with Ottawa. They may have bought the pipeline, but I don't think they're, they're going to drag their feet as far as they can. We need a premier who's going to look at Ottawa and say, fine. You're going to treat us like this. Here's the consequences. Uh, it, would you agree with that, Julie? I mean, is it, is it fair to hold the incumbent to account for you know what transpired under the rule? Because I, I think they would take credit for the good things. Do we hold them accountable for the the negatives? Um, I absolutely. I think it's a case of fifty fifty. I mean, they we there's a lot of bad things that happened with the price of oil and the economy and all that sort of thing that weren't the NDP's fault. Um, they didn't have control over it. However, they certainly threw gas on the fire and didn't help things. Deirdre? Um, I talked to a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> one of the, a conversation that I had recently was with someone who had 
actually ended up working in Premier Prentice's office. And that conversation was very interesting because what she told me was that in 2014, he was meeting with, uh, you know, bankers, economists, uh, business industry leaders and trying to find out what's coming, what does this look like for us. And one of the things that he discovered was that this recession was not going to look the same. So instead of being a V, it was going to be a U. And at that point in 2014, they could not see a way out of it. Mm -hmm. So this is what uh, Premier Prentice was going, uh, sorry, was coming into the election with. And that's not something that was made public. So I think a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of the things that have been put onto Rachel Notley and the NDP, and and I understand as well. Yes, no one wants to see increases in taxes, but look at the hole that we were seeing with our budget. I don't think that there were a lot of choices that could have been made. And yes, they could have cut. They absolutely could have. But we still really haven't seen our way out of this recession entirely. And I, I don't know. Like I, I don't know where we are in the U right now. Mm-hmm. Mo, hang on. We'll, I want to get your answer in a second because uh, we're up against the clock here. We'll continue with our Citizens Election Panel. We'll get Mo's answer to that question. A few other issues we'll, we'll talk about here with our Citizens Election Panel. We are back with more right after this. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're here with our Citizens Panel talking about the election campaign thus far. And uh, let's get Mo back in here because you know, we were talking before the break about you know how much we blame Rachel Lotley for and the, the state of affairs in Alberta, how accountable you think the incumbent ought to be for where we're at going into this campaign. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree with the other panelists um, in, in that uh, the economy was already or the oil prices were going to slide or had slid. And uh, things were already um, in a downturn position when she when she took over. Um, the only thing is, of course, that when she, once she took over, then she, you know, I think she did make things worse initially. Um, I, th- I think then she came to the realization if if the money was was uh, was turned off that the social programs that she wanted were going to be in great jeopardy. And I think then they started you know, they started bailing then, and it was just too little, too late. But I mean, they did monkey with the uh, uh, corporate tax and they did uh, a number of things that I think chased away the businesses and chased away the uh, potential for tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get your impressions. We were talking on the air about the tone of this campaign. Obviously, the stakes are high. There's a lot of animosity between certainly the two main parties. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk about negative politics or even personal attacks. How much of that is in and of itself a tactic or how much... Is that a concern, do you think, to the average voter? Deirdre, what do you think about the tone of the the campaign so far? The tone is absolutely negative, but I think it is the strongest message that either uh, the UCP or the NDP can put out because the the UCP wants to attack the NDP on their economic record. Uh, The UCP doesn't have a record. As far as economics goes, as far as, you know, things they've done in the past, they've got nothing to go on either. Mm-hmm. But by virtue of being conservative, they have a lot of trust already uh, in their platforms and in their abilities. Uh, the NDP has, I mean, they have their economic record to go on, which happens to be Alberta's economic record, whatever you may think of that and whose fault you decide that is. But I think that their strongest argument against 
voting for a UCP government lies with the social issues. So I think, does it matter to people? To some people, it really does. Uh, to some people, you know, I posted a, I posted a photo of a comment today that was, you know, the UCP could be found with three dead people and I would, and they would still have my vote. <laughs> so, you know, but this is, but this is the sort of difference between them. And I think, I think both parties are making the strongest arguments <clears throat> that they can against the other one. Right. But I, yeah, I do think there are people who are, are very much not just decided, but set in how they're going to vote, no matter what might possibly come out. Um, but, but I mean, to that, Joe, what, what do you make of kind of the way issues have been discussed in this campaign and, and whether it's, I mean, is it a discussion about issues in a negative way or is it just stop becoming about issues, do you think? Um, I haven't heard a lot of actual constructive discussion about issues, um, especially as far as the NDP goes um, and their social issues. They just, they're, and I, it was completely predictable. I knew ages ago they were going to come into the next election and they were just going to bang that social issues drum and, oh, you're voting UCP, you hate gay kids. And, you know, I don't think UCP supporters hate gay kids. I don't think Jason Kenney hates gay kids. But can we actually maybe talk about a way to have, you know, if you don't agree with the current policy, then let's talk about a way to have gay straight alliances in schools that we are happy with. Or, you know, don't just, like with the NDP supporters, ask what, like, well, what would you like them to look look like rather than just, saying like, oh, well, you're a homophobe. You hate gay people. You know, you're against gay straight alliances. It's like, no, I'm voting. I'm probably going to be voting UCP, but I, I absolutely support gay straight alliances. And I, yeah, so. But yeah, well, and it becomes a question of how relevant, you know, things that Kenny has said in the past is. If, if the argument is, you know, this is the gay rights challenge of today, and he's on the wrong side of it, just like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, he was on the wrong side of the gay rights issue of the time then. Is, is that a fair way to look at it, Michael? Or, or how does, you know, Kenny's past or previous positions he's held, how relevant is it? Um, I think we're talking about issues that he may have said something 30 years ago. And uh, we're not the same people we are. I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. Young, idealistic, 20-year-old, um, much more left-leaning and much more in that vein. Um, and you tend to grow and you tend to see what happens with your culture, your history, your, uh, your country, and where the world is changing. Um, so, like I guess in my opening, I'm very much a social, uh, uh, fiscal conservative and a social liberal. Um, I think human rights um, come far before religious rights. So if the gay straight alliance thing is a religious argument... Uh, I don't care. Um, those kids, those people have human rights first. Um, and those are the things we have to protect within our society. And I think that is where this campaign has gotten, uh, I guess, out of control. It's like if you support UCP, you're exactly that you're the homophobia or this, you're that. Um, but if you support the uh, NDP, you support those social programs, but you're willing to take on $95 billion in debt and kick that can down for not my kids, and but my grandkids to pay that off. Right, but I get the sense, and I get the sense from a lot of people I hear from, that economic issues certainly override the, the social issues. That, that social issues are something that you can 
kind of compromise on because of the economic issues are more important. Just yeah. as even if you were inclined to agree with the NDP on, on social issues or on GSAs in particular, you couldn't get past their economic positions. No, I can't. Um, is, is that, so, I mean, is that your sense of well, how much do social issues matter? That's exactly where I'm at, too. Like, the social issues are secondary to the economy. I think uh, we could have a much more harmonious, inclusive, happy society if the economy was doing better. Yep. I hate the idea that I'm giving, you know, Derek kudos <clears throat> on a regular basis. But one of the things that, you know, going on the doors with him is that he can he can say the exact same thing to a social progressive as he can to a social conservative. It's not the government's business. That is what he truly believes. And now at the same time, it's not always optional for a governing party or even someone who wants to be government to decide what they will and will not legislate on because sometimes people need protection. That's the government's job. So, so it's, you know, I, I think it's important in Strathmore door knocking last weekend Within our first 10 doors, we did have someone ask, what is your stance on GSAs? They said that they were social conservatives. They were raised social conservative. They had been social conservative until they didn't have the luxury of avoiding the issue. So whatever, she never told me what happened, but um, you know, we can imagine. And she said, Jason Kenny scares me. So, I mean, it. I think if it's important to you, then then it's absolutely important to you. And if it's not, then you can brush it aside. Mo, what about social issues? Where, where does that rank for you? Oh, it's number two for sure. I, I agree with the other panelists that it, uh, the economy is, is number one. And I think to have, you know, to have social issues or social issue freedoms, we have to have the budget to do some of those things. And if we don't, um, then, uh, you know, then they're, I, I think they're the first ones to get, like you say, compromised or struck. Uh, number one, it has to be the economy, and and um, and typically, you know, wealthier wealthier um, um, countries or, or cultures uh, typically have better social records um, than than countries that are poorer. So, the money is certainly a part of it. For yeah. sure, it is. All right, uh, panelists, stand by. We'll take another quick break. Here, we'll come back, continue our conversation. It is our citizens' election panel. We've got Mo, we've got Deirdre, we've got Julie, and we've got Michael. My name is Rob. We're back with more right after this. All right, welcome back. Continue with our election panel, and let me throw this at him. Maybe, and Julie, I'll go to you and, and Deirdre as well because I think maybe you two can speak to this. Now, it, it seems to me like it's a two-party race at the moment. The polls show that certainly a lot of the coverage. Uh, is is emphasizing that i wonder if people you know watching the election are we doing a disservice by not focusing more on the smaller parties or are we giving people what they want because they've kind of settled on these two parties i mean you're someone who indicated that you would kind of be inclined to vote alberta party is it because they don't have a shot that you're not voting for them and do you you think that the coverage drives that um it's too two-prong for me basically um i don't want to waste my vote um you know it is kind of a two-party race where i live and that's just the reality reality of it i wish the alberta party had more traction and i've said for years when greg clark was the leader he was a better he was a better opposition than brian jean and the actual opposition like he was a phenomenal one-man show um and if he was still the leader i 
could possibly see myself wasting my vote <laughs> in my writing and voting for him. But I really don't. I think a lot of people don't love Mandel, too. I think that's part of their problem as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't get why they made the change. But um, yeah, that, that's my take. So Deirdre, you, you are, are leaning toward then, as you said, voting for one of these smaller parties. So you, your thoughts on that? So <clears throat> I have... Uh, so I, I actually do, in part of my following politics, I write uh, a daily summary, just going through what's making news, what's not. And one of the reasons that I started to do that was to actually put a little bit more, um, I guess, a little bit more focus on what all of the parties are doing. So uh, just it's it's not, you know, it's not... Uh, a long piece by any means, but it's at least trying to mention if the Green Party made an announcement today, this is what they said. So just trying to keep that, um, you know, give give people some idea of what else is going on. I don't think that the I don't I don't think that the media has really necessarily been not covering things. It's just that the fight, the spat, the daily scandals between you know, NDP and UCP, they take up and they take up more space and people, scandal sells better than the policy drops. Right. Mo, what do you think? I mean, if we're looking at either in all likelihood an NDP government or a UCP government, do you want to hear what those parties are talking about? Does it feel like noise or clutter if we're talking about, well, here's what the liberals are talking about and the FCP and the Alberta party and the Greens? What do you think? Well, I think it is important to give those those uh, um, smaller parties or upstart parties a, an opportunity because there's a lot of good uh, policy and procedural ideas come out of them because they're not they're not bound um, by you know by the party faithful. Um, there's a reason why they're you know most of them have come from other parties um, and to start their own or to carry on with others and and um, a lot of good ideas come out of those parties. Um, you know, um, I, I, I like to hear from them. I don't like a two party system. I think it's healthier to have, to have, uh, more than, more than that. Um, you know, more parties in the race and it, it may be a little bit of vote splitting going on, but I think overall it's healthy. And I do think that they, uh, they, they, they do present some very good ideas. And I'm sure that the NDP and the UCP are going to be quick to, well, and I think, they, 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 I, think have. They, I think they both like it being framed yeah. as a two-party race, sure. right? So sure. w- should it be? I mean, should we frame it that way, Michael? Uh, no, I think there's uh, a lot of the smaller parties have some very good things to say, but you also have to make sure that those smaller parties are um, really doing and crossing their T's and dotting their I's and having the Alberta party and Stephen Mundell actually not filing paperwork appropriately and on time and then saying, oh, it was my assistant that didn't do it and then had to go to court to physically be able to run as a candidate in the election um, shows a maturity level that's probably not there. So it became more of a laughing joke of kind of going, yeah, we're going to uh, elect the Alberta party and give them access to billions and billions of dollars in a budget but you can't file your paperwork on time to actually run for an election. No, thank you. Okay, so we'll get to leaders debate. We don't know when exactly. I imagine it might be our, our third panel when we get to you know parse that. But here's here's a quick question. We'll go around the table. Should the leaders debate be five individuals? Yes. So we'd have the we'd have Rachel Notley, Jason Kenney, David Kahn, Steve Mandel, and Derek Fieldbrand. Should it be all five? Yes. Should Absolutely. Deirdre. But you're missing the Green Party. Well, should it be six? 
I, How do we make that decision? I know. I mean, you can, you know, I mean, the liberals, the FCP and the Alberta party all had at least an MLA, mm-hmm. right, going into this. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough way to decide who gets to be there and who doesn't. Um, I don't know how they're going to put that together, but I do think that they're going to make a, they're going to have a bar of some sort because six people is too many. Well, because I I do think a lot of Albertans say, you know, I just want to hear Jason and Rachel go at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But how many should be on stage? Well, I think all five, uh, the the five major considerations for sure. Yeah, I do. All right. Yeah. Listen, we'll take one more break. We'll come back. We'll kind of get some closing uh, closing thoughts, what you are, are hoping to hear then uh, as we go into the uh, next week of the campaign. So a few more minutes here with our citizens election panel. We are back with more right after this. All right. Well, we've got about four more minutes here with our citizens election panel, and there are four of them, so we can uh, divvy up the time accordingly. So and I guess you'll have kind of a minute here. We can talk about... Where, where things are going here so far, I mean, there has been a lot of talk about a lot of different issues, education platforms, energy platforms, uh, you know, Kenny, Jason Kenny was talking about rural crime this this week. So we're hearing from the parties on a lot of different issues. Uh, are there some that, that you're still waiting to hear on or what you're going to be looking for in the next week or, you know, the ones that you've heard already that you really appreciate uh, the parties talking about? Uh, well, I think number one for, for Jason Kenney, of course, is number one priority is to scrap the carbon tax. And I think that's a pretty good place to start. Um, being, uh, I live in rural Alberta, I'm quite interested in the, uh, you know, the, uh, the real crime issue. And I'd be curious to see what more. I mean, he's put some money on the table to hire new prosecutors. Um, he's going to enhance what the NDP have done with, uh, with some, you know, boots on the ground, some uniformed policemen. Um, and I think that's, that's a really good place to start for sure. Um, and I think uh, and I, part of that, um, part of his real crime um, um, platform is to maybe do some education for landowners as well. So I'm yeah. curious to see how that all plays out. Yeah. Uh, Deirdre, for you? Um, I kind of liked uh, the Alberta Party's discussion about uh, increasing the small business deduction from 500000 to a million. Mm-hmm. I think that is... I think that was one of the I think that was one of the strongest things that I saw in regards to assisting businesses uh because that $500,000 mark apparently is is a a bit of an issue I've heard before that it's it's not as it's not as big as people think it is and small businesses to be out of it as soon as they hit that $500,000 mark has has been something that I've heard people complain about before so yeah. Julie um, as far as the UPC goes, I would like to hear a little bit more about their plans for education. I've got two kids in the system. They're mm-hmm. 12, uh, 12 and 13. And um, I don't feel like I've heard a lot of talk about um, what they're going to do as far as the curriculum goes. There's been a lot of move, a lot of changes where that's concerned in the last number of years. Um, and schools and teachers, that sort of thing. And I'd like to hear more about modernizing the healthcare system. I was liking what I heard from the Alberta Party about moving towards digital health cards and getting oh, yeah. rid of those ridiculous <laughs> like <that> paper <laughs> things we all have in our wallet. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is like, okay, Jason Kenny, you're going to scrap the carbon tax, yay, but how are we going to do this under the federal plan? And is there a way that we're going to do that um, in a revenue-neutral manner? Yeah. I don't have a huge problem with the carbon tax if it's revenue neutral. Mm-hmm. If you cut my taxes somewhere else, I put more money in my pocket. 
then I think a carbon tax is not completely crazy. All right. So, uh, and for you, Michael. Um, I was listening to uh, Rachel Notley talk about how uh, continue to say that Alberta has this advantage in the corporate world, and but we've lost billions and billions and billions of dollars of investment of companies leaving Canada, um, not because and only because they can't get one product to market, um, products being LNG projects being shut down, pipelines being shut down. Um, they just don't have confidence in Alberta as a place to invest. Um, the CEO um, of Scotiabank said. At what point do we actually take a, a good hard look at why all these billions of dollars are leaving uh, the province and not have to look at the policy of the current government? It's not helping. So where is she going to get the money to fund all of these social programs? A thousand new teachers today. That's taxation. That's out of my pocket. That's, right. again, making us poorer. All right. Well... All four of you, thanks for coming in. This was uh, a fun uh, kickoff to our citizen election panel. We got two more of them before election day. So uh, thanks to all of you. We'll see you again next Thursday. Thank you. Thank all you. All right. There you go. That is uh, our citizen's election panel. Mo Getchen, Julie Tute, uh, Michael Brown, and Deirdre McLean. And we'll hear from again next Thursday at 1 o'clock. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.